Let's go. Let's go. Five, four, three, two, one. The Eric Schlein Podcast. All right, we have Jeff Wilmore on. Jeff, good, good morning. Thank you. Good morning to you, Eric. Thank you. It's What time is it for you right now? You're in Arizona, right? Uh, 9.09 a.m. Okay. I always get confused where Arizona time is because you have that weird time zone, right? It's half half the year Pacific time, half the time Mountain time because they don't have daylight savings time here. I think that's how the whole country should be. Just, just fuck daylight savings time. It's yeah, so ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, yeah there have probably. been some states that have tried to tried to get rid of it. I think it doesn't. Uh, Indiana has some. Do they? I uh, I think so. Okay. Or something like half of Indiana has, or something. But that's that's see that's worse. Yeah, yeah. Could you imagine just true. driving five minutes and you're you know and you're you're in the next zip code and you're in a different yeah, time zone? Yeah, yeah. At least keep it consistent. That's right. That's right. I so, always, I've yeah. I've I've been joking with my kids since they were young when we be on a road trip or something, we cross the state line and I'd say, don't you feel different now? Can you tell? <laughs> My dad used you know? to do that to us. When really? we were kids. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, it's amazing how much is created in our mind. Yeah. You know, I mean, you look at the Arizona, California desert, <laughs> there's no difference, you there's know? There's no difference. Yeah. Yeah. But if you live, one foot there versus here, it sure is different. Yeah. Yeah. So what have you been up yeah. to? Oh, wow. It's a big question. I feel like you're always up to a lot of interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 that's true. I like to um, engage with interesting committed people such as yourself and they tend to be up to things too. And I get into things. So I think currently um, I have a couple of colleagues, Richard and Eric, and we've been um, formulating an offer in the okay. business world to allow founders and leaders to align their team with their vision. And we've been uh, we've done several test cases and and we're now just finalizing the website to launch that so that's a that's a uh that's been a great thing to um now is this a different website than the one you have right now yeah okay yeah yeah very different this is a different program Um, that you're doing or is it the same yeah different uh engagement it's customized for the for the for the company okay um but it's 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 all part of my my vision of connecting people's heart with business um, so they can live true. So what what is your background that you got into this world of business and personal development and, you know, that's a, that's a good, yeah. (coughs) You know, I, um, I come from a family of entrepreneurs, you know, my, my uncle was a, architect slash contractor and my dad has had his own consulting company but then was partners with my uncle and what kind of consulting did he do he did uh uh, management consultant he was one of the first management consultants in washington dc he like helped found the industry there yeah wow yeah i know gotta be tough i know working out those people 
you know, he loved it and he yeah. was great at it. And I think it was different at the time. That was mm -hmm. in the in the days of Kennedy. Um, he 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 started in the city as the chief of staff for a U.S. senator. Okay. In the fifties, after grad school, and then started this consulting firm. And I think he just had the pick of his clients because what he was doing, no one else was really doing. You know? Right. And he already had some name so, recognition for what yeah, that yeah. was before. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so I I I had that business part already there in fact my uh my dad and my uncle always had a house project that they just had their sons work on that they they treated as a as a as a money loser okay they, they, they weren't even planning on making they just which was smart because there were times we had to rip the roof off and redo it because we'd put the shingles upside down but they uh the primary purpose of it was keep their sons busy and out of trouble and teach us teach us how to work hard um but uh um i also through him through both he and my mom were uh you know they 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 split up when i was young she was a she was a teacher a Montessori school teacher I had the second ever Montessori school in Northern Virginia. Oh, cool. And, oh, Montessori. Uh, I was a Montessori kid in preschool. Oh yeah. 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 She was, she's a brilliant woman, Maria Montessori. I mean, really? Yeah. I mean, it's a shame. So many of her concepts have been totally bastardized. Um, I don't know about the rest of the world, but here in the, here in the U S but anyway, so, um, but, when she she met a guy back from Vietnam, great, great human being, and they remarried, been married now for 50 years. But we uh, marched. He was uh, one of the leaders in the peace movement in the late 60s. So we grew up marching in that. And my dad was into the civil rights stuff. So we were involved in that. And um, so I, I, I grew up with this highest ideal, I think, infused in me was to contribute and make a difference socially uh, worldwide. So, um, and then somewhere, I, I think my first ambition as a kid was I was going to be a politician. Okay. You know, I grew up with the, with the Kennedy, at least. I, you know, my, my first hero was Robert Kennedy. I don't know. I don't know why it's just, he was, he, I was eight years old. He was running for president, but, um, <clears throat> but then, um, I got into, I think just as a shy self-conscious kid and I got into meditation when I was a teen and I got into Buddhism and Zen and kind of reading more stuff. And, and, um, then, uh, you know, pretty, I found my way into a landmark forum. I guess at the time it was Warner Earhart and associates and opened up the whole world of transformation and, 
When was that? When was that for you? What year? <coughs> that was uh, 1976. I was 16. Okay. My dad had just done it, and it was you know he he'd had a horrific back injury, sitting at a red light, rear-ended by a drunk driver, and it left him with six five herniated discs yeah. all at once, like you know just ruined. Couldn't walk most days and pain pills, all that. And um, he walked into this S training thing and came out without his crutches. Wow. Uh, and we were like, what the hell happened to you? And he said, well, I realized I was being a victim. And I was like, what do you mean? You were a victim. He said, no, that was all a big story. Yeah. I was like, what the? And he says, you just got to do it. So. Anyway, it's been a it's been a love affair ever since. Um, um, the whole world of transformation and freedom and liberation and getting outside of our own biases and blind spots and so I and I've always wanted to combine it with business. So for just because when, and when I did saw, you when did you go from doing S to um, leading programs? I was, yeah, after college, I started a company with my twin brother where we were buying failing companies. Uh, and we're not all that successful at it. it. I mean, we had really struggled to get any access to capital, you mm -hmm. know, so. Um, uh, and we mostly didn't know what we were doing, but I was young and single and we were making some money and that was great. And um, when S transitioned to the forum, I went to do the forum, the first three-day forum. And um, I just, I decided sitting in there that I was going to find out what it took to be a forum leader. And so I totally switched careers. My, my brother and I, I came out of it and told my brother. And so we sold our businesses and, and uh, I started the whole process to get trained to do that. And did that for 21 and a half years. Oh, how long, how long did it take for you to, <clears throat> for you to make that decision you wanted to do that to be actually becoming a forum leader? Um, let's see, that was 1991, four years. Four years, okay. Yeah, four years. So uh, I guess about three of that was training, you know. Um, one was, I mean, the first year was, winding down the businesses and doing the rest of landmarks curriculum and so on. And then so you were, you were all in from the beginning. Yeah, I was, I was one of those straight line people. I think for many people, the process of being a formator is a circuitous thing. And I was a, you're like, at this I was, yeah, I was a, I was a straight line. Yeah. And did you yeah. know, did you know how uncommon it was for the amount of, because isn't there a statistic that the amount of people who say they want to be forum leaders who actually make it into the forum leader body is pretty low? Yeah, it's really low. I mean, there were always people who'd come to me Sunday night at the end of the forum and say they wanted to do what I was doing. And um, I, I don't know if that's uncommon. I mean, I was a kid. I was certain I was going to play in the NBA. So, right. But you weren't, you know, you weren't, you weren't, I think the difference though is you weren't, um, winding down your business in order to go play in the NBA. 
Yeah, true. I mean, you're, true. you're literally yeah, winding down your true. business in order to become a farm leader. That's true. Yeah, that's true. They, you know, once you start the process, there's no guaranteed success no, to the outcome. Right. Yeah, that's right. I, I know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I ended up being accountable for training the leaders at Landmark, and it was about a 50% success rate through the, it's a pretty rigorous uh, training intensive is what, what we call it, you know. What's, what's the training like when you're actually training to be a foreign leader? Well, let's see. Um, it's, it's put together as a intensive. So you're in lots and lots and lots and lots of forums observing uh, mostly. So you're, you are you in, you're, in, you're in the back, like you're not sitting yeah, with people? You're okay. in the back and you debrief on the breaks with the leader and you interact with participants who have questions or who are struggling or are up against it or who knows what. Um, huh. And then you do lots and lots of study. Uh, what do they have you study? Uh, the material. Okay. I mean, you've got a, and the, and the study includes lots of, practice delivery and practice interactions so you set up mocks and practices and you and um you know i mean you gotta live and breathe the material you know so um, and and what what metrics do they determine like okay now we're gonna let you leave landmark forums uh, who, who determines they, that what what on what metrics is that determined it was um, uh, basically one, which is and before May, it was Steve. And then when it was May, it was May. So someone would go through the training intensive and the various leaders who were certified to train would sign people off and various parts of delivering the forum. Mm-hmm. because they, the, the, the senior leader had watched them deliver it successfully and deal with the interactions and so on, but that's still not leading the whole thing. And then, yeah. it, so then it comes to what we, we called a check ride, just like a flight check ride where they, they walk up solo and they do the thing solo and I would be in back and they've got to deliver the result. And the result is, that the overwhelming majority of people in the room walk out with a transformed view of life. Yeah. Um, so it was a very uh, highly involved, intense, and at the end, it it was a uh, assessment and judgment on the part of someone who was a master at it. Yeah. 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 So you did this for 21 years? Yeah. And then, you know, walk, walk me through. So what had you transition out of the farm leader body into, is it into what you're doing now? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, um, you know, I'd had this dream for a while of melding the ontological and phenomenological work we were doing at Landmark for individuals. So just for people listening, explain what you mean by, you know, ontological 
and phenomenological. Yeah, really simply. So ontology is the being part of us human beings. So if you think about it, we're always being something. And it, it's, you know, it's the part, given we're always being something, we, we take it for granted. It becomes, we're not, we're not given the language to access being. Um, probably the best it gets is we've, we've grown up in the psychological era, so we have language that accesses feelings and emotions and thoughts. But, you know, we don't say things like, I'm being angry. We say, mm -hmm. I'm angry. Right. Or, how are you doing? I'm being happy <laughs> right now. Right. Um, we tend to describe ourselves as a object. Yeah. And that, and that language doesn't give us access to the very core of our essence, which is the being part. So anyway, that's the... That's are, the are, there la are there languages that have access to that kind of language? Uh, you mean... Like, are, are there languages where like, the, um, the ontological realm is, can be experienced through just the normal like, um, Japanese or Spanish, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So or certain tribal languages or. Yeah, not, there may be a word or two in a particular vocabulary like that, that mm -hmm. accesses love more and more in the being sphere, yeah. but overall, no. Interesting. So, yeah. So that's, 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 that's part of the real genius and magic of the work Landmark's done and what Werner started. And, and there's others in the field, but what he put together to bring it to the ordinary person like me, you know, is just brilliant. So, um, and because we don't, we, we haven't been given a language to access being, we end up stuck with various ways of being. So, for example, up until I did the, uh, the S training way back, I was a very shy person. I was stuck being shy. I would have spent the rest of my life being shy. Yeah. There was no, it was, that, that's how I, that's one of the ways I describe myself, you know. Um, almost like if you cut me open, you'd find shyness inside, which obviously when you think about it is crazy because yeah. no, it's, none of that being stuff is in there. So anyway, that's the ontological part and the phenomenological part. That's the philosophy of the way things exist for us. So and it's pretty fascinating. I mean, I, I think I, you and I could be a student of phenomenology for the rest of our life and you'd never run out of the wonder and the inquiry just because everything occurs for us differently. Yeah. And so, you know, working with a CEO who's got a particular issue they're dealing with in their business and yet the way you see the issue is different the way i see it different the way they see it um so anyway that's uh to bring that to business was a dream i had um 
And so that's that's what I left to do as well. As I was really wasn't planning on leaving. It was just going to live as a dream. But I had a I had a epiphany in a dream one night, in the middle of the night. One of those. I haven't had a lot of those in my life, but I I don't know if you have any of those where I wake up where suddenly a number of things have come together. And it was the same year, um, this is three years ago, my daughter had just left for college. Mm -hmm. And I was dealing with it, I'd missed most of her life because I was, I'd been traveling and working so much. Um, and I, I saw the future with my son, who was 12 at the time, it was gonna be the, it was gonna be the same thing. And then that combined with, I had lots of things I wanted to do with my wife. And I was sitting there at 3 a.m., bolt awake, realizing, dude, you're just bullshitting yourself. You are not going to do that stuff. Um, from I wanted to spend a month in the summer in Europe with her. And I, I just, you know. have been in this love affair with this woman. Um, and I was not going to do it because I was just working, working, I, traveling, working, traveling, working. And I, that was a Saturday evening and I, night, and I resolved I was going to change my life. I was going to change my lifestyle. Um, and that, that work hard lifestyle was part of what I wanted to contribute to the world of business that that was an outdated model that was old that was that was you know that whole I mean working hard is a necessary skill yep but as the answer man it's gonna it's you're gonna be at the end of your life saying what the hell did I do with my life I mean no one's at the end of their life saying I wish I worked more right I mean, there's at the end of their life saying, I wish I hadn't worked so much. So anyway, that was, uh, whatever that was, signal from God, the universe, a coming together of spirit, something. Mm -hmm. So I called up Monday morning and I uh, resigned. Spent several months turning how did, things how did over. They, and, how did they take that when you, you just call and say, "Hey, I'm not doing this anymore"? <laughs> it's not that. Well, it was um, it was difficult because was it was these, it that quick though? I mean, did you just make a call and be like, "Hey, I'm not doing this anymore"? Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It it was difficult because these are people I highly respect and they respect me and and you've been doing it for 21 years and they, so the, and the this relationship must have been out, out of nowhere for them, right? Yeah, and the, the, the relationship we have as form leaders, I, I mean, I likened it like you were, in the, you were in the foxhole together. You know, you were, so it was, a, you know, our relationship was as, as, as brethren, you know, um, real, true partners. So it was, it was difficult, like a, like a breakup you know um but i just wasn't gonna be true for me to stay and and experience sacrifice that would be dishonoring what i was doing you know yeah. so 
Yeah. Thanks for, how, thanks how did for they take asking it? all that. Um, you know, they're, 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 it was difficult personally, but they're grown ups. you okay. know, listen, no one is a indispensable. I mean, we'd like to think, we like to think we are, Yeah. but, uh, you know, people move on and, and, you know, landmarks fulfilling a future and a vision of their own. And it wasn't based on me being there. So, right. and I, I'm, you know, still, a, I'm on the sidelines cheering them on and doing my own version of what they're up to, you know? Yeah. So, cool. yeah. So yeah. now tell, tell us a little bit more about what you're up to. I mean, you, you briefly shared about it at the beginning, but you know, what yeah. does that look like? Your, what you, what you developed? Yeah. Well, the first thing was I'd had this vision of offering something to professionals and business owners that would give them a way out of the work your ass off your whole life trap um, without sacrificing success, you know? Um, and you know, without uh, thinking about it, we're, we're in the, the world of business, I, I've termed it a, a force field. Mm-hmm. And like a force field, no matter what you do, the force field's pushing against you. So every industry has its own unique force field, but then there's the force field of business in general, which once you get in business, you're in the force field, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, I recently had this conversation of the force field of healthcare with a couple, um, a, a group of uh, doctors who manage departments at hospitals and some hospital CEOs. And man, incredible when they can start to put words to their experience. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, and they, and they can actually start to see, oh, wow, it is like a force field and we're trapped in this world that we didn't create. Yeah, I have, it you know, it's funny. I have conversations with my dad about this. So he, he runs one of the largest children's hospitals in the country, Cohen's Children's wow. in New York. Uh-huh. Um, they're part of the Northwell system. Mm-hmm. And so we've, we've talked about things of, you know, employee burnout and the conversations that, you know, especially like the new medical, the medical students graduating to become doctors and what they have to deal with. And it's a, it's a big issue for, for a lot of management and, and figuring out ways to make it more tolerable and enjoyable in the workplace. So, yeah, you know, and he's, yeah. he's a forum graduate. And, and so we we, we have conversations like this and yeah. Um, yeah so. Well, you should, that's, talk, you, should, you should talk to him at some point. I think you. I love to yeah. love to. I mean, this is one of the things I, it's like, I, it's, I, I mean, I wanted Landmark to offer this, but I mean, there we're, there's so many things they're busy doing. Yeah, and, and I think, so, you know, we're, <clears throat> I think sometimes the most successful entrepreneurs, they, they kind of know the limits of their own um, yeah, yeah. offering. 
Yeah. And, you know, so it, it's, I think from the outside, it's very easy to say, well, you know, this company should do this and this company should do this. Yeah, true. And, right. It's, it's, and, and I, I actually, I very much respect per, personally, I very much respect when I'm talking to an expert and they say, I only focus on this thing. Right. And right. this thing is valid. You can talk to one of my partners or colleagues who only focuses on that thing. And I've had better experiences with people not trying to be jacks of all trade. Right. And right. I, I actually see this um, completely abused in the personal development world where you have a coach, right? And they'll say, you know, that you work with them and, you, and you're actually getting some results, right? And you yeah. get some business results or some results with public speaking or, you know, whatever it is, right? But then they don't stop and they say, well, then let's go work on this psychological issue. It's like, you're not a trained psychologist. Right, like, right. Maybe you should go to a trained psychologist for this, or maybe you should go to someone who only specializes in confidence issues or, you know, whatever it is. Right. And, right. and yeah. you, could, you could actually be destructive towards people if, you're, if you don't actually know what you're doing and now you're just giving glorified advice. So, you know, I think Landmark, Absolutely. you know, to, to, give, to give, you know, Harry credit, I think, you know, they're very, very, you know, intensely focused on their offering. This and is, in their world, this is what we do. Yeah, right. This is what we yeah. do. And if you want to do something else, that's great. But that's not what we do. And, and it works yeah. for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well said. Yes. Um, so I wanted to create something that would give the business leader, the professional, I wanted to be for people who were already in a chosen career, who were mm -hmm. already successful at it. Um, and to give them a way out of the force field where yeah. they could both expand success because I found for many successful professionals and business people, there's real ambition there. Mm -hmm. um, but commitment. see, you do have the skill set where you probably could work with someone who didn't know what they wanted to do. But you're not expanding your business to that. You only want to work with That's people right. who are. Right. That's so right. There, yeah. There's an example right there. Exactly. And I could Very say, well, good. why don't you work with my friend who's yeah, in transition right now? You're, yeah, you're good at that. He's trying to figure out what they should do with their life. Yeah. 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 So this is for already successful professionals and business leaders too. And it's, it's, uh, it's a year long. And I mm -hmm. purposely wanted to step out of the the quick intervention, breakthrough, transformation model that mm -hmm. really Landmark-esque started. And now you have Tony Robbins is probably the most popular model yeah. of it and, 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 and many, many others. So I wanted to intentionally step away from that, not to, tr not to be different from a sales point, but from the perspective of... Um, to have something actually stick. You know, yeah. I was, uh, I came across this and the biology world is pretty well known. Um, Umberto Maturana, who was one, he's been one of the fathers of cognitive science in his way. And he asked this question was stuck with me for years, which was, how does an organism evolve? Mm -hmm. How does an organism change? And 
you know, his answer was very simple because it's how evolution works. It's, it's a combination of time. So it's, it's got to happen over time. And it's a, involves a particular environment that the organism interacts with mm-hmm. over time. So reoccurrence, time, and environment. And if the organism doesn't, um, if they don't reoccurrently interact with the environment, then they don't evolve. They end up dying, you know. So I wanted to to design something that that looked at it from that perspective. Like, so what could a already successful, ambitious, committed professional probably, and and also what I find that people that are in this place are very often pretty pretty well down the path of of enlightenment you know they've done a lot of self reflection they've done a lot of work on themselves they've they've unloaded a fair amount of baggage yeah so what would allow that person to to evolve to a to be a new kind of leader to do business in a new way. Um, and from a much bigger perspective for me that I, I don't talk to a lot to the people in my course about it, but from my perspective, I see business and commerce and the various leaders of business and commerce as having a unique place in the world currently maybe always, but definitely currently in terms of shaping the, the future. It just, at least how it seems to me is so much of the governance throughout the world has forfeited their kind of authority <laughs> to lead. And it's really us. And uh, I think it's us more than popular movements. It's us like the various leaders of companies and businesses who are going to innovate our way to um, handle some of these long-term issues that humanity has been dealing with from climate change to disease, to poverty and so on, you know? So that's, you know, that's for me, that's really, really important. Um, So it's, I put this thing together that's a year long, that's got a healthy dose of study in it. Uh, interaction with their peers in uh, in uh, unique ways, um, where they end up retraining their their brain to see the marketplace differently and see themselves in the marketplace differently and see new opportunities and possibilities. And um, so, yeah, it's it's been fun. It's great. What was the process in in designing a program like this? You know, it was, I shouldn't say it was harder than I thought because I'd done enough design at Landmark to know it's, you know, and people who who think design's easy should sit in front of a blank page. Okay, (laughs) go ahead. Yeah. Or people who think painting's, you know, any, any kind of true creation. Um, so now I was fortunate enough. I'd been thinking about this thing for close to 15 years 
because I ran into a lot of successful professionals and business people like this over the years through the forum. And I could see this, I could see the suffering of trying to fulfill my important life commitments, especially family, mm -hmm. you know, family, well-being, connection, health. While at the same time, I'm a, I'm, I'm a slave to my, to my commitments to my company. Um, and that battle, which is often talked about now, of, I think currently the popular phrase is life balance, which is, I think is just bullshit. Total horseshit. No. Yeah, total. I just, I mean, just had a conversation this weekend in the program I led and then you had a whole thing on work-life balance. That was fun. Mm -hmm. Good, good. So, um, you know, so how would, how would someone like that align this very important thing in their life, their business, their, their mm -hmm. profession? How would they align it with their most important life commitments versus I've got to sacrifice important life commitments? Yeah. Um, Do you find... It's for people who are like very, very successful and have a horrible lifestyle. Are they like the most screwed psychologically? Huh. Where, where, what, I, what I mean by that, <clears throat> it's actually like one of my greatest fears in life is, so I don't know, we've, we've talked about Charlie Munger before yeah, yeah. Uh, offline. And, you know, he always talks about, you know, this, this principle of inversion, right? Where, you know, he, he'll say, you know, if I, if I knew where I was going to die, I would never go there, you know, or uh, right, if I, if I want to be happy, do avoid things that make me unhappy. Yeah. Or, you know, most people do the opposite. They just start seeking things for pleasure, seeking things for happiness as opposed to avoiding things that would not have that way. So actually after my advanced course and the whole conversation around, you know, what game are you playing in life and all that, um, I decided I would make, I'd play a game where I avoided anything that contributed to a lifestyle that I didn't want, which mm -hmm. at the beginning was horrible because it, it started making me say no to like literally everything, even like normal things that like, why would you not? I remember my dad tried getting me um, some gig at JP Morgan at like, you know, and I was like 21 and you know, any kid would dream of doing that. And I turned it down. My dad's like, are you an idiot? Like, why would you turn it down? I'm like, well, I don't, that's not even, I didn't want to get successful. Right. I don't know if it was JP Morgan, but it was a big bank and I don't, I didn't want to get right, successful right. there and then get trapped in my success. So what I, what I mean is if I, I'm, I feel like I'm lucky where I, I did a lot of this work when I was 20. So I didn't have much life experience to unwind. I could kind of create from this blank, mostly blank slate to begin with. Yeah. But if you're like 55 years old, a successful executive, you've built all this shit, but it's actually not trapped you and you want to have this great lifestyle, meaning that you might have to let go of some of this, that psychologically could be very, very difficult. Like, I don't yeah. know if I'd be able to do that. Yeah. That's what I mean by that. Are you, are you, is, is it harder for someone like that psychologically? Or, or is there ways to do it where you don't have to give up a lot of stuff? Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a good question. I haven't looked at it that way. I think... Um... Funny, it's the only way First I've looked at it. What's that? <laughs> That's funny. It's almost the only way I've looked at it. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like my um, driver. It's like, I'm so scared of that. I just want to avoid uh -huh, that at all right. costs. Well, I, I uh, you know, one of, the, one of the questions we start 
the very beginning of the course with is at the end of your life, you know, what do you want to say? Your life fulfilled. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, obviously there's no trite answers allowed, nothing superficial allowed. And then we get into where would you look to answer that question? You know, and it, it's, you know, it's not, by no means is it the right true and up point, but it's, it's the one I've picked. I mean, mm -hmm. at the end of my life, if I want to be able to say that I fulfilled what my life was about, I better, first of all, get clear what the hell is it. Yeah. And then I've got to deal with and organize okay well what is inconsistent and there ends up being a lot and you know one of the one of the uh phrases that became popular in the very first course that i said to someone who happened to be a founder of a, of a hedge fund that was this it was about a half billion at, at the uh, time and he was in the process of spending a lot of money to buy out some partners that he'd been, he, it turned out he hated his hedge fund mm -hmm. because, I mean, he loved parts of it, you know, yeah. and what he, the, the strategies he put together and so on, but the whole business part and with these partners and manage the back end and, you know, and I said to him, I said, living true isn't cheap. So I, I, I don't know if I, I think what you said, I think for some people, what you said, yes. Mm -hmm. Other people, the idea of getting a fresh start is unbelievably freeing and liberating. Interesting. It was, it was for me. Yeah. Which kind of surprised me. You know, I mean, when I, I left a career, I was absolutely loved. I gave my heart and soul to it. And I loved everything. I loved the people I worked with. And, and yet there was no looking back. There was no grieving. There was no heart. It was, I, and it really surprised me how liberating it was to start from nothing. Yeah. Um, but you're, but so, you know, I, I think you are, at least what it sounds like to me, you are still fulfilling, you know, what you committed your life to. It's just a different expression of that. True. True. I, you can even without, say maybe yeah. even you're, you're, you're honoring yourself at, a, at an even deeper level now with what yeah. you're doing. Yeah. At least from what emerged. In yes. The, yeah. 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 Like in the space you're in, in your life now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is important, right? Where even if something is an authentic expression, maybe in 20 years it, it isn't anymore. And yeah. to check it, be able to check in with yourself and be honest with yourself, like, okay, is, it, is this still how I want to express my, my intention in the world? Right. And it's not yeah. anymore. Right. It is time to move on. And then, and then staying there and getting attached to that is, is sort of the new trap. Yeah. 
Yeah, success is a huge trap. In fact, I've come to the conclusion even more so for the people I work with than failure is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, failure is a big one too. We have mostly have a really disempowering relationship with failure and and the shame of it is we don't learn from it as much as we need to. Failure. Um, yeah, failure. Yeah. I mean, that, uh, there's a great book on that. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, oh, Black Box Thinking? Did you mm-hmm. ever check that out? No, oh, I haven't. Yeah. Fabulous book. So just re- really <laughs> briefly, by. this- Black, Black Box Thinking. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very, very well done. And it's all about, about having a relationship with failure, which the industry he picks, which in his study has the most powerful relationship with failure is the aviation industry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I and have heard of this book, uh, Matthew Side. Yes, exactly. The Surprising Truth About Success. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, yeah. I've seen snippets of this. And then all the way to the other extreme, one of the worst is the, is the healthcare uh, industry where they cover up and they hide and they justify and they explain. And, you know, the thing with aviation is it's all out in the open and they do the public hearings. And the result is you've got the safest form of travel ever known. And it, it just gets safer every year. This reminded me my, my, the last time I visited my dad's hospital, they had this like scoreboard in it kind of looks like a scoreboard in the hallway. And I'm like, what is, what are these, what do these numbers represent? And my dad said, well, it's, it's how many days someone's like, I, I don't remember the exact medical term, but it was like someone had an, a bed infection, right? Where it's like, you have to turn someone over yeah, and you know, they pride themselves on it being a very long time between each infection. So it's like a way to keep track. And if someone actually had, if someone actually does get sick, because someone wasn't turned over or they pissed themselves or whatever it is, it like gets displayed in this hallway so that oh. everyone can see it in debrief. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. not covering there's, anything up. Yeah. I, I think there's, there's more and more examples of that in select hospitals, mm-hmm. which is really good news. Um, and it'll be, you know, when when it becomes industry wide, where errors, I, I mean, I have you, you done work with hospitals before? What's that? Have you done work with hospitals before? No, no. Okay. Other than this, I mean, I may be working with this medical group. Okay. Uh, that I was talking about earlier. Um, we shall see. But okay. Maybe I can get my uh, dad on and talk about some of this stuff, and maybe bring you on with my dad if you're you're game for something like that. that great, kind of love fun. to. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I want to start doing more of these like uh, group interviews too. I think that would be really fun. That would be fun. Yeah. yeah. Like I've always thought, like you know, if if uh, like Joe Rogan or Tim Ferriss, if they brought on a few people at a time, you know, if they did more of that, I know Joe uh-huh. Rogan's done that a few times, and I always find those some of the most interesting episodes. Uh huh. Uh huh. Because you get the you get the in between. You know, it's like there's there's whatever we're saying. But yeah. then if we had another expert with us sharing and we all play into that, it, it, it opens something up in the conversation that isn't yeah. possible with just two people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Neat. Yeah. So, so uh, we, we do, yeah. we, we do a fair amount and, uh, and what I do about to, to 
really transform their relationship with failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Turns out we we all have pretty well, especially successful people have built-in um, cognitive biases around failure. So say more about um, that. Well, uh, I think the the term in cognitive uh, therapy is what do they call it? Oh, where y- you self handicap. And then the most predominant one I find amongst ambitious, committed, successful people is there's an already existing explanation for something not turning out before they start it. Mm -hmm. Now, for people who aren't as successful, the most common self-handicap is where they self-sabotage. Like yeah. it's the night before my final exam and I go out with friends and get drunk. Right. And then I kick myself. Oh God, why did I do that? Oh, I'm such a dumbass, you know? Yeah. So that's a, that's a very common one, but you know, the, the successful people mostly don't do that stuff, but there's a wealth of explanations and reasons because it's all designed to protect our ego. Yeah. So failure for a successful person threatens their view of success of themselves. So I've got to protect that with explanation. Oh, well, you know, we gave it a good shot. However. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we do, we do a lot of work on that, but more than anything, success, you know, what it took for that, successful hedge fund founder who also was a fully tenured professor at a business school. And, you know, for him to say, I'm going to, in a very significant way, blow up my hedge fund and start anew was a big risk and it was expensive. Uh, Now it's going to end up paying off for him big time. I mean, I won't, I won't uh, speak about him out of turn, but you know, with his, he's he's got a whole new theory of capitalism that's evolved for him now and a new fund he's open and a book contract on the new theory, but it wouldn't have happened without the, Without the, you know, I, I can still remember the the day I asked him, well, um, yeah, we were engaged in the question at the end of your life, what do, you, what do you want to say your life was about? And I asked him, I said, why are you doing a uh, hedge fund? No, really, why? What, what do you say? Silence for at least 20 seconds. And then it was, I don't know which was at least honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it really shook him up. But it matched his experience. The experience of, you know, a little bit jaded or maybe a lot jaded, a little bit lethargic, a great life, a great wife, a great, you know, so the, but mostly his experience of aliveness in life came from he had the resources and money to do these really great things. Yeah. He could fly his wife to Vegas because she likes fast cars for her birthday weekend. And they, 
drive on the track in Vegas at 140 miles an hour, and he can he can do all those amazing things. Yeah, which gave the illusion of aliveness. Um, but he was going to be he he would that he would have been at the end of his life saying, "What the hell was that about?" I, I yeah, that's pretty common in the yeah, financial yeah. industry. People like that. Yeah. Maybe even more common than not when they get successful. Probably, probably. it's a pretty. Um, and I've, yeah, the amount a, of times I've seen it is is countless. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. It's it's a pretty challenging um, project. To how do I connect my hedge fund? with what I want my life to be about mm-hmm. now, but if it was easy, then everyone would do it. Everyone would have a business that's fulfilling their life's purpose. Yeah. But, you know, but it mostly ends up about, you know, you end up in one or two camps you're going to do, you're over here and you're the anti-capitalist, which is just a kind of a joke, you know, yeah. I'm going to go, or, or, well, I'm not anti, but I'm checking out of the game. I'll just go teach yoga on the beach in Hawaii. Okay, that's fine, but you're going to be broke, you know? Or you're in the force field and it's about the money and about the share price. And so how do I have those be an outcome, not a goal? An outcome of living true, an outcome of fulfilling what our real purpose is. Um, so, and that's, it's so that's, funny. I mean, I, it, yeah. it's, I, I don't, I don't want to make this show about me, but it's like, it's so funny how much of what you share overlaps with some of the, you know, coaching and consulting that I do. Great. I mean, we just this weekend had a whole thing on outcomes and goals. And actually in, in, in two days from now, I'm uh, Kira and I are, are going to be working with a, CEO of a, of a company literally on outcomes and goals. That's the, that's wow. the whole evening. So it's just, it's so interesting. The, the overlap between uh, what we're doing. Yeah, that's great. And that's such a, that's such a fine distinction and mm-hmm. simple and yet it's life changing. I mean, yeah. Even, yeah. Th- even things where, um, <clears throat> a few, I don't know, a couple months ago, it was, I guess it would have been, right after we got we met up in arizona i think i was doing a program like the week after or something like that yeah or two weeks that's after. right you were yeah and there was a guy talking about a startup that had failed that he you know, he had started and his startup failed and we were just looking into you know most startups fail and one of the things that came out of that conversation that we discovered is that it's not inherently because they're a startup and most startups are coming with it with, we have some goal we want to do and they're not thinking outcome based. Um, so he was talking about it, how I don't remember what the, what the business was doing, but they needed a contract with, uh, with either Walmart or target. So they spent all their yeah. time on trying to get this contract with Walmart or target. And when they didn't get the contract, they spent so much time doing this, they ran out of money. And I go, so what was the outcome you wanted to produce? And they're like, well, we want to get a sales, you know, some sales contract with a retailer. 
and I go, so was, you know, like, why would you spend all your time on two companies? Like, you know, maybe you should have made a list of 500 companies, Yeah, made yeah. sure you had the money to, to reach out to all of them. And if only one of them hit, then you had a business. Right. But they weren't thinking like that. It was just, we want right. to focus on, so maybe yeah. spending time with Walmart and that target isn't going to actually get the outcome you wanted. Right. In this case, right. the, out, the outcome was you, you ran out of money and went out of business, which is not what you wanted. Right. People yeah. don't think like that. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, and I think actually, if you're not thinking outcome based, whether it's, this is, this is what I want my life to be about, or here's a business outcome I want to produce. You don't even know if the actions you're taking are necessarily in line with what you're committed to. Right. Well, this is, you know, where you're, it's, this is, uh, when you look at what people are given in business as a intellectual, philosophical, conversational framework to engage and then conduct business with. So you, you definitely have what's, what's predominant in the business schools. Yeah. Which much of it's very useful, you know, yeah. the, the distinctions in finance and accounting and uh, whatnot. I'd say more in accounting than finance, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and other than that, what's out there is mostly a conglomeration from what I can tell. I mean, if you, if you just look at what's promoted and what's sold, um, there's a mix of truisms built up over the years. You know, you need to think outside the box and like those kinds of things or positive thinking. Mm. Don't give up. Outwork your competition. If you believe in your dream, you can do it, which, you know, that was a, um, that was a, necessary and incredibly powerful paradigm until it became dogmatic yeah well it you know like any field of thought it's got a half-life to it and you know that was in the in the age of labor um and the age of entrepreneurship of 80 years ago when that came to be and and then you ended up down the line with uh, Zig Ziglar and, you know, um, uh, who was the original? um, The guys like that? Napoleon Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Dale Carnegie. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But that's outdated. That's, I mean, this and the current era, when someone can get an account on Squarespace and put up a website in a week and they're competing with you and me Mm -hmm. just like that without any investment capital, anything it's, you know, that thing. I'm now, and that's why I think I said at the beginning, knowing how to work hard is a necessary skill. And some people fail in business because they actually haven't developed that kind of grit where they can, you know, push through some seemingly immovable obstacle. Yes. But if that's your only answer, 
I mean, you're just going to suffer. I yeah. mean, you might be successful, but you're going to suffer because that's because what you're going to sacrifice to live that life. Um, and I, I know because I was actually living that one, you know, yeah. president of the work 70, 80 hours a week club. Um, yeah. A big, big following there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's a big that's group. Right. Yeah, that's right. So that's the, you know, what you were just pointing to there is I call that uncommon knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and mostly what traffics the, 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 the coin of the realm in the business world is common knowledge. Um, and I don't use common in a pejorative way there. It's just, it's common. It's everyone else has the, it's the latest business book it's the latest you know thing that's popular it's the mm-hmm. uh but the people who are able to create unique businesses and do business in a way that is true to what they want their life to be about that's all uncommon knowledge mm-hmm. um uh, anyway so yeah they're both useful i i'd say they're both useful though Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I, I don't, I don't need my, I don't need my accountant to utilize all uncommon knowledge. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot of really, I want an expert in the common, although a good accountant's going to have some uncommon yes. stuff too. Yeah. yeah, for sure. You know, something that's, they can see that's unique to me and my business that, creates an opening a advantage a benefit yeah um yeah hmm. so interesting yeah. so what's this yeah. so this this new uh website you said you were building that's more customized for, yeah so what's what how is that different than what you do right now or is it the well, same thing it's similar so okay. there, there's definitely some overlap so what i'm doing now is for is a year-long course for individuals mm-hmm. of any profession or business. Um, and this new offering is where we actually work in an organization with the team. Okay. Um, and how is that structured? Uh, it's customized. Okay. So depending on the size of the team. But you certainly, I mean, you certainly have some input. You know, yeah. They, if they yeah, say, exactly. you know, come for 20 minutes once a week, you'd be like, well, I can't get anything done in 20 minutes. That's right. That's right. So, right. so, so in, so your perf- in your perfect world, how, how, what does it look in like? In our perfect world, it's a minimum six-month engagement. Okay. Probably uh, a total of six to 10 days over those six months. Mm-hmm. And it would involve a um, completing of their past so, or in other words, taking the limits and constraints of their past success, including some failure, but mostly of the company. Yes, okay. of the of the of the company, out of their forward vision, so they can actually reimagine what the hell they are doing, and then from there they co-create with their key members on their team. They actually. Co co-create a new vision, promises, commitments, strategies, yeah. goals, 
so they're sourced from that from the initial purpose yeah um yeah see i mean we where i feel go ahead well i was just the last thing was one of the most common complaints we've heard from business leaders especially founders is if only i could get my team to see it the way i see it if only i could get my my people to feel the mission the way i feel it you know um so that's that's a that's a that's a big part of what this is yeah have you thought about um introducing this work into business schools uh i haven't i'm I'm not i'm not against it yeah i I, I wish my 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 like biggest wish for this industry of people because there's lots of really interesting people doing great things is get studies done however you make that happen and then share that with academia because in, in in the academic world my experience is if you don't have a study it doesn't exist for them right right but you give them study after study and they go hey look you can teach something very innovative and your students will love it and here's the data it's a lot easier to digest and yeah it makes it much more socially accepted too when 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 it's in academia yeah yeah maybe not as fun you know it's like if you have to go through all the bureaucracy but i i feel like you know, 20 years of you leading a program would have less impact in terms of social acceptance than, you know, one year of, you know, Sloan doing something. Yeah. Right. Right. Agreed. Yeah. 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 What do you think about, this is something I've, I've, I go back and forth with all the time. The, well, well, first let me ask you a question. Would you say there's, there's definitely psychological benefits from people going through you know transformational experiences typically like generally happier more right yeah yeah maybe i in you know maybe i'm living in a bubble so this is just anecdotal but in my experience people who are trained psychologists tend to be so disconnected from this kind of thinking which has always blown my mind because i've always assumed like, why is there still people working on their confidence issues for five <laughs> years in the therapy room uh-huh, when, uh-huh. when that shouldn't really be much of an issue? And, and like, I don't know. I, I, it just seems like yeah that's, yeah, that's always been a big disconnect for me. What, what are your yeah. thoughts on that? Well, um, uh, I have a couple. So, and this is part of why the work done at landmark is so impactful is because it it looks at our existence and our life in the most fundamental way so you know i mean it, it, from the from the model of, of the forum where we look at a human being of what is it to be a human being not what is it to be you what is it yeah. to be any human being and that includes you right and it's a it's an inquiry that, well, no one asked me that question, but you actually inquire and you start to see fundamental, oh, well, one of the things it is to be a human being is I'll sell out my life to be right. I'll be right at any cost. And, and, and you're there in the room with these other people and you've looked 
and part of why you're doing it with them is because you see it in them. Oh shit, that's that's just like me. Yeah. And you discover, wow, I've sacrificed a lot of relationships in my life to be right. God, I'm doing that in my marriage, right? You know, so you see that and you see, oh, what it is to be a human being is is we create stories about everything constantly all day long and then we live like our stories are what happened so i say well you know i was on the phone with eric the other day and they and he wasn't listening like he always does and i don't i don't see no that's your interpretation of the call with eric that's not what happened yeah we all do that so anyway you it doesn't matter what profession you drop into the being of a human being. And in this case, um, psychiatry or psychology, you know, I had this, uh, I had in the forum once this very renowned, uh, I can't remember if he was a psychologist or a psychiatrist. He was published and he had neared the end of his career, a 40-year career at a major university. He was the chair of the department. And he was doing the forum because he was profoundly resigned. Mm-hmm. And and he shared about it in the, in the forum publicly. He said, um, I've, I dedicated my whole life to this work to these distinctions of psychology, because in my view, this is what would elevate humanity. And he said, I'm here, I am at the end of my career, and what I see is most people are using psychology to be a victim, to be right, to Mm -hmm. win, to justify, to, you know. Um, So that's 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 the first thing I, point to you know it's like well you you give you give a human being really powerful distinctions like the distinctions of psychology and there's some powerful shit in there yeah extremely Uh, yeah but do you put it in most human beings hands and they use it to protect their ego yeah they use it to justify and so on and so on. Um, and the second thing I'd point to is if we think of the, the, the norm is mediocrity, there's a lot of mediocre therapists out there. Yeah. Yeah. And now that doesn't mean they don't contribute and do some good. Um, and I, this sounds terrible. Me talking like this um, because it seems like I don't include myself in it. And I think that's part of what's useful is something you were mentioning earlier about intense focus on to get at least one thing you're going to be great at. Yeah. Not just mediocre. Um, And at the same token, there's some, you know, I, I, I've come rather late in life to see a distinction between transformation, which is what, a most, what most of what my life's been dedicated to, and healing. Mm-hmm. And there's therapists out there who do healing work that's necessary and it's magical. Yeah. You know, my, my, uh, my uh, 
my wife is one of those people and she's gifted. You know, I've, I run into people that I send to her that she's she a psychologist. I, um, therapist. Therapist. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if she'd consider herself. A, it's, I mean, it's a degree. I mean, you have a degree in psychology, right? Uh, no, 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 they, they have different. I mean, her is master's okay. degrees and I think counseling master's. Of okay. Counseling, Got you it. Know, so, okay. but you know, the unbelievably powerful distinctions. And yet if I'm using those distinctions just to propagate my story yeah. or to continue my, my view of having been wrong, mm-hmm. uh, or, if it, it, or if it just leaves the past in my future, but it's all explained now, it doesn't free me up, you know? Yeah. That's so, like with any, I think, body of <coughs> work if you start using it as a almost like a like a tool in right. some sense you, you can destroy the 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 power of it yeah almost like if you discover some truth and then you decide you're going to now use it for something yeah yeah you well, always- someone someone sent me the other day a, a friend of mine thought i would get a chuckle out of it which i did this picture of a Buddhist monk in an orange robe. They were in Thailand or someplace. Yeah. Angry giving the finger in uh, at some car in uh, traffic. Sometimes, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, you know, so, and then, and that's why the, the work of Landmark is so, and, and, and others is so darn impactful because psychologist, Buddhist monk, whatever the case is, there's still our own humanity. Yeah. Um, and finding a way to, I mean, I, I don't think anyone ever gets to the place where it's all energy of light and love they're projecting, but you yeah. certainly can go from more dark to less dark, you know, I, I think you can get quite, quite, quite a shift. Yeah, yeah. But you could, um, yeah, you could say you can never, you can never fully transcend your humanity, but you can right. certainly move that shift. You know, yeah, yeah. At the baseline. I mean, I I used to tell people in the forum that I'm crystal clear, the biggest asshole in the room is. So if someone, yeah, and it was me because yeah. I'm, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I never run out of finding my own innumerable stupidities or times I wasn't compassionate or times I didn't listen or times mm-hmm. I wasn't present or times I I was thoughtless, you know. So, um, but yeah, anyway, interesting yeah. question. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm yeah. curious, we were talking earlier before we started the show. So you, you started um, 75 Hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I asked you how that, uh, where did you discover that? So you, you heard it from, I guess, me sharing about That's it right. to you, yeah, or, you or if on you, Facebook or? I think I saw it on Facebook, okay. one, of your, one, of, one of your posts. So I'm, I'm kind of always looking for the, something to challenge myself, especially. Uh, By the way, I discovered own. it through interviewing someone on uh, my intelligent investing podcast. Oh, cool. Someone shared about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So, yeah. 
I, I've shared about, I think I have a couple people about to start it just from talking about <laughs> it. Funny. So it's good. Yeah. So how, how, um, how deep into it are you right now? I'm uh, two and a half weeks in. And have you had any days where you fucked up or has it been consistent? No, but it's been challenging. I mean, last <laughs> yeah. night I was finishing my second workout at 10.30 p.m. That wasn't fun. No. But. Um, what do you do you for know, your outdoor that, workouts? Uh, let's see. Well, given I'm in Arizona. Just walk? All, all of mine have been outdoors so far. Okay. I, I was already doing stuff outdoors, especially okay. from, from my COVID. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. stopped going to the yoga studio in the gym and I'd, I'd already adapted. So that isn't a challenge, more of a challenge where you are when you get in the wintertime and so on. So yeah, that's, well, that's the biggest challenge was doing this on our three of those weeks on our road trip. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was, you know, when it's, when it's, when it's two, three in the morning, you're exhausted and you're yeah. walking for 45 minutes in an underpass in the middle of New Mexico at a gas station where it's pouring rain kind of sucks yeah yeah uh-huh yeah uh-huh but so that's I, the you know that's that's what that's part of what piqued my interest is just the challenge of my own discipline and my word has um, it done over has, circumstances has it, comfort yeah i mean has it done, have you noticed anything so far for yourself from from doing it i mean you're you're still early into it but um let's see uh uh you'd also be I like i've got nothing out of it too i mean you could say that no no no. i haven't yeah. seen anything like a like a like a epiphany or something but mm-hmm. i got plenty of time to uh, go with that yeah although i'm seeing and experiencing a elevation in my own uh self-worth okay which i've always I shouldn't say always, but for quite a while now, thought that was very connected to the, the the level at which you honored your word versus comfort and circumstances. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So, and it's it's an it's a, it's an interesting paradox, isn't it? Because I, you know, I want I want to give people an access where they see that hard work is not the answer, but at the mm-hmm. same point, you got to do hard stuff. Yeah. I mean, you got to do, you got to, you got to look for challenges. You got to take shit on. Yeah. Um, are you, are you aware? Are Jeff, are you aware? Yeah. Say I was not aware when I did this. Are you, oh, first, are you using the app, the 75 hard app? No. Okay. It was, no. it's like $5 I on, on, the i the iTunes store or whatever oh. it, it just helps yeah, you keep yeah. track of stuff. Yeah, I, I okay, like it that's personally. Good. I mean, yeah. yeah, okay. I'll, um, I I didn't know there was an app. I'll have to check into it. Yeah, I, yeah. I I'm just using a a, a journal for each day, and I yeah, I mean, whatever whatever works. So highlight, yeah, yeah. So this is this is the fucked up part. So, are you aware that there's more to 75 hard than just the 75 days? Uh huh. You are okay. See, I wasn't. It, right? That's that's the that that's the part two. So there's it's live that's, hard. It's a year long challenge. Oh yeah, I I I just knew there was a, a part yeah, two. Yeah. So and, so so I, I'm using the app, right? And I'm on my 75th day, and I'm already feeling. I've already been sharing like my psychological baseline. I'd say maybe about a month into it, right? Third. So 
<clears throat> maybe actually more. It's probably like in the the forties, in the day forty something. I don't yeah, I don't yeah. remember exactly yeah. what day, but probably in the forties, right? And I noticed just my general overall like psychological baseline has significantly improved. Like I just feel like I'm a badass motherfucker, and yeah, I don't have to say it, and I just feel it, and. I, I, I kind of just knew, okay, this is, this, is, this is a new baseline. This isn't, like, going away once I'm done. Like, there's something that's shifted internally. You know, and they, when they call it a mental toughness challenge, it's like, oh, I get it now. This is, this is no going back. And if I lied to myself, if I didn't actually do it, I would not be experiencing this right now. Because, right. you know, Andy Forsella says, you, don't, you can lie and go through the program and do it your own way, and no one will know except for you. But if you ever meet anyone who's done the challenge, they'll know you didn't do it. Uh-huh. we just you can tell you can tell the people that have done it who pretended they did it uh-huh. and um so i'm on day 75 and i clicked like the final thing i think it was i don't remember what it was but i clicked the final thing and i'm like i'm done and then the thing says get ready for phase one i'm like what the fuck is this shit like yeah, I've, yeah, i didn't yeah. know about this right like uh-huh. at least tell me like yeah. So <clears throat> I look at what phase one is and it's where, um, have you, have you looked into what the requirements are for phase one? You have, all right. With the five minute cold. The, the, yeah. The one, the one that stood out was the, was the cold shower. Oh yeah. Part. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So you do the cold shower and it's like, holy shit, I have to do everything from 75 hard plus a cold shower plus a 10 minute visualization exercise, which actually wasn't hard because I do that anyway. Um, yeah. But there's, there's like other stuff now to it, right? And you do that for 30 days. And then, so I, I just finished phase one a few weeks ago. And it was tough. I mean, it was really tough. Especially the cold showers that took some getting yeah. used to. And, you, and the cold showers, you do it so it's painful. Like you don't do it where it's easy. Like you, you want it to be, like if, you, if, you're having, if you're not having a hard time breathing by the end, you like can't wait to turn it off, you're not doing it properly. Right, So, you, right. you know, Finish phase one and says, okay, 30 day break. And then after 30 day break, you do phase two and there's phase three, which is done 30 days before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So if you fuck up phase three, you have to start the entire year over again because mm-hmm. you have to finish the program in a year. Yeah. And what I've noticed is <clears throat> doing the break, it's like I'm looking forward to phase two. Yeah. And I'm actually trying to figure out ways to make it harder on myself yeah. because if I did phase two, the way that I did 75 hard, I'd be like piece of cake. Yeah. Where yeah. if I knew, I actually, if I knew about the entire program before I started, I probably never would have even started because mm-hmm. it would have actually seemed like almost impossible. Like there's no mm-hmm. fucking way I'm going to do this for a year and 75 days is like hard enough. So the, but the break's interesting and I'm starting yeah. to see like why they give you a break yeah. because it, it's not like, you know, I, I did eat a slice of pizza the, the, the day after, but then after I was like, okay, I'm content with my slice of pizza. Right. And, you know, I've been doing cold showers almost, every, not every day, but it's been 80% of the time. I'm still like torturing myself with a cold shower. I was like, why am I, wow. this is great. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's just interesting to see how, even when you're not in the program and you're, you're still in the program, but when you're in your break, you still start taking a lot of these behaviors on yeah, naturally. Yeah, yeah. You know, I still do, I'm working out five days a week instead of seven days a week. 
and I'm setting my timer for 45 minutes. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily making it hard on myself, but I'm doing a nice 45 minute workout. Nice. So it's, it's really cool. <laughs> but, you know, I think it, you're, you're in, you're in for a treat psychologically, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I remember, uh, I read some study a while ago of, of they tracked, they had people taking cold showers in the morning uh-huh. and then tracked, they had a control, they had a control group that wasn't doing it. And they found the people doing the cold showers accomplished more during the day. Oh, and, so, so interesting. You say that. So one of the things with phase one is you have to do these, um, these power tasks. Yep. So you do, you do five yep. power tasks and three additional critical power tasks. Mm-hmm. And those just become easier too with the cold, doing the cold shower in the morning. And that's the, that, that's the ontological part. I mean, it's not the cold shower per se. Yeah. I mean, what the hell does that have to do with anything? Like, a, you know, and, that, and that's one of our biases on our brain is we look for simple cause and effect like sure. that, you know? Um, but you start to know yourself as someone who's unreasonable, who can do hard things, who can, yeah. and you know, the, the, so, I will say though, the dopamine hit you get from a cold shower doesn't hurt. That's true. That's true. I mean, uh, you, you probably have read some of this Wim Hof guy. Yes, I have read a lot. Interesting character. Or even go yeah. to like, um, there's a, uh, the Lacuna uh, Kava bar, which is in Arizona. I think it's in Phoenix. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. The, if you, they, they sell Kratom there too. Uh-huh. You know, have a few cups of Kratom and then get some work done. You'll be like, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I'm not yeah. going to say you need it, but yeah, it doesn't right. hurt to have the psychological. That's right. You creating a environment and architecture in your day where you're getting more dopamine yeah. versus versus cortisol makes a difference you sure know? look i i, I yeah. like what tim ferris says where he wanted he's very into psychological compliance so he goes yes you should work hard you know keep your word all all of that but if you can make it easier easier for yourself to stick to something right then do it so in my, my first experience with this was I know Tony Robbins talks about this too, where it's if you can associate something with like the pain it will cause you if you don't do it, right? Like, um, it's a much bigger motivator to avoid pain than it is to get something pleasurable. And they've they've done yeah. studies on that. Interesting. So there's huh? a yeah. there's a website that I got I discovered through Tim Ferriss called Stick.com, which it's like S T I K K dot com, and it's a um, it's a betting website where you do these like. Uh, it's called an anti-charity. So basically what, what you do is you set a goal for yourself, right? Or some outcome you want to produce. <clears throat> it could be like, I want to get, you know, 10 clients for my business in, by next month, or I want to have a six pack in 90 days, or, you know, what, whatever it is. And then you give them your credit card information and you have to set an amount that would be uncomfortable to lose. So it's a set amount of money that yeah. like, you know, so you don't put $20 in, but you know, maybe you put $2,000 in or, you know, whatever it would be for your own net income. That would be not, not going to make you poor, but it's not going to be comfortable to lose that money. Right, right. And then you have to give the money to a charity that you really hate. 
So, uh-huh. you know, if you're NRA on, or something, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, right? Or, right. or, you know, get NRA or an abortion charity. Yeah, or that's right. <laughs> you give that's it right. to like, you know, a, wife, the, yeah. the house conservative pack or the house yeah, democratic yeah. pack, whatever. Right. Something that'll just give you an, a viscerally negative emotion to it. And then once you set it up, then they, um, it's optional, but they highly suggest that you have a judge. So it'll be a, uh, just a neutral person who, if you don't get the result, they can attest to it. And if they do get the result, then they can, they can contact stick and say, you did the result. And then the, the transaction gets declined. But if they don't hear from you, if they don't hear from the judge, then it automatically goes through after the set amount of time. Wow, cool. And I, I did that twice with, with two goals that were really, uh-huh. like really, really hard. Accomplished them both times because I was in that frame of mind for like 60 or 90 days of holy shit. I don't want to give, you know, a thousand dollars to, this charity. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's good. so I'm, I, 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 I see 75 hard like that too. It's like you're, yeah. you're increasing the psychological baseline for yourself. Yeah. I, I think there's no shame in that. Yeah. Yeah. Neat. Neat. I'm yeah. going to have to check that out. Yeah. Stick. Who are other, some other, you know, you're very well connected. You, 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 you network a lot, talk to a lot of people. Who are some other interesting people doing some interesting stuff right now in the world that have been fascinating you in, in the world of, and actually in the world of transformation? Yeah. Well, I mean, my colleague and good friend, Richard Condon, mm-hmm. um, I mean, we do work together, but then yeah. one of the ways we've arranged our collaboration is so we each have space and freedom to do our own personal things. And, He's doing amazing work empowering um, uh, plant medicine tribes. Okay, and, interesting. And bringing uh, psychedelics into the mainstream, and that's huh. been an that's been an enormous contribution to me. Well, speaking of Tim Ferriss, that's his like number one thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, another great book, uh, Stealing Fire. Okay. And also one, I'm just finishing how to change your mind. I've read, I've read that one. Yeah. 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 Great book. Great. But I, that was my own personal experience too. I mean, I, Richard's worked with this temple in the Amazon, which was founded by this British guy mm-hmm. uh, who, you know, life was a disaster and he ended up in the Amazon going through some plant medicine ceremonies and ayahuasca with the uh, um, Shipibo tribe there, which are, you know, they've generations and generations of, of where this has been passed on. And so he ended up founding this temple to make plant medicine available to Westerners. So oh, cool. I've heard amazing things about ayahuasca. Like every oh. single person I know who's done it has an amazing experience. Hey, we could do a whole two hours. Me just talking about yeah, I I've done nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm not a wee guy or mm-hmm. anything. I I've just never had any interest. Yeah. And Richard invited me there and I went just, I didn't either until I went to Colorado on my road trip. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was smoking blunt. I was literally just like I went through two blunts in like a morning. I'm just like smoking yeah. on the street, walking uh-huh. around, just wow. high as fuck. Wow, it was fun though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, the yeah. the the you know the 
in terms of make giving ourselves access to get outside of our own ego. Yeah. It's it's pretty I mean they the, there's a, I mean, there's been so much data on this now. Even the like evidence LSD is pretty, and, and, is uh, pretty overwhelming. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, what so, do you think about? Maybe this would be a question for uh, your your partner. Maybe I don't know, but you. But you ever know those like um, when when people do um, like ketamine, and they see those like little elf people. Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Um, I don't. Oh, it's but, so weird. It's like uh-huh. all these cultures, right? Uh-huh. They 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 do their yeah. They do the ketamine, and it's a, one of the common things that people experience is like they they right, they shoot out of their body. They go to this like other like universe. They meet these. The sign sounds crazy, but like they meet these little elf people, and they're sometimes they'll talk to them, sometimes they won't, but they're always like really tiny, small, and they always say like, "Oh, we've been wait, we've been expecting you, we've been waiting for you. We're gonna like teach you some secrets of the universe," and like they teach them a little wisdom. And then like they leave uh-huh. and it's like, this happens with these exact same little tribe, uh-huh. no matter uh-huh. the culture. And it's like, I wonder if this is like a legit, if these were actually uh-huh. like some weird beings that exist in a different plane that we can't. I don't know. I, I, I haven't heard of that. I, I haven't studied that. Oh, you should read, to... you should read. Yeah. Yeah. One night if you're bored, just yeah. spend a night going uh-huh. down a, a rabbit hole of that. It's some crazy yeah. shit. Yeah. But I've always wondered like, Maybe this is not a good analogy. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a, so just for full disclosure, I'm a dumbass when it comes to any of this stuff. So I have no idea what I'm talking about. This is just something yeah, I've thought yes. about. <laughs> so you could probably have some expert. I'd be like, yeah, Eric's an idiot. That's what I was talking about. But if like our brains could almost be looked at as like radio receivers, right? Where it's like, uh-huh. <clears throat> you know, when you have creativity <clears throat> and, and you almost feel like something's like coming to you, right? But then maybe there's all this other parts of reality that we can't experience or see or what other yeah, right? there's sonar yeah. we don't have sonar for instance but we know that that exists right or whatever wavelengths are there that dolphins can pick up that we can't pick up on right, right. and i know like uh they've done these studies with dogs where you know before they poop they like go in circles before they poop it's always like in a certain degree where the sun is i don't know there's there's something wow. that they're like picking up on wow and it's a hundred percent of the time the dogs all do the same thing i uh-huh. don't remember if it's wow. a gravitational pull or whatever it is so <clears throat> clearly there's other there's yeah. other experiences that are out there that human beings don't have access to and i've always wondered like say someone who's schizophrenic if maybe some of those things are real mm-hmm. you know some they've shown some schizophrenics have larger pituitary glands that yeah. maybe having an abnormally large pituitary gland has you pick up on things that are not really conducive for our survival. They might, right? If you were picking up on every little thing, it might be a distraction and you wouldn't be able to get anything done. Yeah. So I always wonder if there's, if some of these things that people experience, if they are real and there's a real good evolutionary reason why this is not something we pick up on all the time. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Have you ever thought about any of that or? Yeah, some, you know, I I was just reading this week how uh, there's growing agreement amongst uh, the the, um, scientists who study evolution that it's a lot more random Mm -hmm. 
than Darwin originally proposed, although he he had plenty of room for random uh, experimentation. But, you know, and the common knowledge way of looking at it, it's like this intelligent selection. But now there seems to be pretty widespread agreement. A lot of it's experimentation and, uh, oh, that didn't work. So, so no, that didn't work either, you know. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's that's it's it seems pretty clear to me in my own personal experience mm-hmm. that there's a whole lot more consciousness available to each one of us and different that has us access different planes and different dimensions than we're aware of you know yeah. or whatever I it mean, is dimension or you know yeah you i mean and there's you know there's there's too many people who are they don't even have any kind of what would be a mentally diagnosed schizophrenia or something. There's too many people who have, who see auras or see visions or experience spirits or to say, Oh, crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could, the, the, uh, the argument though, right. The, the argument against that would be, that we are evolutionary wired to experience, you know, those kinds of things, you know, and that's where religion comes from. And, 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 and there yep. was real, yep. real mm-hmm. cultural need for that, you know, as hunter gatherers and if we can do burials and ways to come together that helps build community, which has helped the human species survive. That's, that would be the argument, you know, against a lot of that being real. Yeah. 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 Um, then there's other things too, where if you're someone who, um, so actually in college, I did a, I did, I took a very interesting class. It was on a, on like paranormal, paranormal experiences. And I kind of did it as like a bullshit class. Like, oh, this is an easy A. And the guy who was the, teaching it, he's like been on TV shows to like do paranormal investigations and all that. So I just assumed he'd just be like pushing an agenda, like to get us all believe that like Bigfoot and UFOs were real and you know, whatever. Right. But most of the things he had a study, I would say most people in the class came to the conclusion that most of it was bullshit, which I wasn't like not expecting that it would come from right, this guy at all. Right. Um, and what it's like, you know, one of the things I remember discovering is like, if you already are into paranormal shit, right? Like you're, you're already like, I don't know, like you're a ghost hunter. That's the extreme example. Like your, your life's about ghost hunting, right? You're going to start finding, looking for patterns and finding things. And you think you heard a voice where like the average person would be like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And you can play these like little, I forget what the, the name is like in EFP or something like that, where you, like, you think you hear like, a, like someone saying something. And the thing is, is like, they've done these experiments where you're like, yeah, the person's saying, hello, come here. And then you listen to it, you can hear, hello, come here. But if you show someone the sound bite, but you don't tell them what you're supposed to hear, 10 different people will hear 10 completely different things. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So there's, uh-huh. A, there's, you know, there's that too. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know the answer. Yeah, yeah. All right, interesting. Anything else that, you know, we've covered a lot. It's almost been two hours. Um, Anything else interesting that you want to leave people with before we finish up? Huh, anything interesting. Or just anything you want to, or anything you just want to leave people with. Well, uh, you know, I've been on a 
probably my overriding project this year has been to expand my capacity to live open-heartedly because mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> I, I found this interesting thing that I was I was very confident in being open-heartedly in my public uh, profession and my engagement with clients and so on. And it was more challenging uh, personally with my own kids and the people I'm close to and close friends. I feel like that's everybody though. Well, maybe, but I got to start with me. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so um, anyway, that's been a, I just, uh, part of what I think why I want to end with this is just, it's, to to take oneself on at at whatever the next thing is is just um enormously gratifying i i'm just i i am a better human being out of it you know and mm-hmm. i've ended up engaging in stuff there were complete blind spots i never looked at before times of of loneliness and fear and um shame and you know what's, what's one example if you don't mind me asking well i you know just 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 uh early on in life i've i've got a uh i have a i have a identical twin brother um that i we went business together with that i mentioned earlier and he and yeah. i have been best friends our whole life and according to everyone that was around when we were young we were inseparable and yet there was a stage of my life when i was young when my parents split up that i have zero memory of him no, it's like he wasn't even there. Huh. And my my only conscious memory is of being alone, hmm. like profoundly alone with no one to turn to and no answer. And, da, da, da. and then seeing how this played out in my life and in my intimate relationships where I was constantly protecting myself from that aloneness, you know, Anyway, I just, um, there's always the next opportunity for us to grow. Yeah, yeah, and it's been just enormously, it's been surprising and enormously gratifying to to, uh, grow in that way. And I'm already looking at what what will I take on in 2021 in a personal way. dimension like that so yeah yeah very cool jeff it was a pleasure having you on always fun to connect always great chatting with you my friend yeah all right man well have a uh, good rest of your day and then i wish you 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 know tremendous success with uh you know all your projects right on thank you take care